Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 153. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest on this New Year's Day, Sylvain Tremblay. Sylvain, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Belts are tight. We're ready to go out and qualify. All right. It's great to have you here. Sylvain Tremblay is the owner and a driver at Speed Source. He's raced since winning the first race he ever entered, an SCCA autocross, at the young age of 16. And over the years, his love of racing has turned into a business. And in 1995, he established Speed Source. Today, he runs the Mazda Prototype Factory Program, and after finishing second in the Grand Sports Championship several times in the late 90s in a Mazda RX-7 twin turbo, Sylvain put together a winning season in 2001, scoring seven wins on the way to the Triple Crown Championship. And in 2004, he took home his second professional championship when he won the Grand Am Cup Sport Touring title. So Sylvain, I've told the listeners just a little bit about you would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your history, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles that go really fast? Um, well, thank, thank you for having me on the show. You know, first of all, just uh, you know, real fortunate to be uh, doing something that I love. I mean, everything you know, that we do now was centered across a dream. You know, I had a dream that you know, we're going to be a professional race car driver, and that dream is definitely not a, a straight line. It is as crooked as they come. <laughs> How bad? Uh, it is, has twists and turns. And uh, really, you know, the whole business w- was was founded on just trying to get to the next race. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, you know, we, we built a business uh, around a dream, which is to become a professional race car driver. And the business has grown and grown and grown and grown. To now we run Mazda's factory prototype efforts on a global basis. We do all the diesel development for the company also. So my business evolved from being a, a prep shop or a race shop, per se, to now we're a full-fledged engineering company that does motorsports program and hospitality for uh, global OE manufacturers, preferably Mazda. So wow. It's been, it's been a heck of a journey, and uh, just real fortunate to be here. It's uh, a little touching to me that you know, we're your first show of 2015. Yeah. Uh, 2015 is special to Speed Source because we celebrate our 20th anniversary. Oh, man, we congratulations. 
So, you know, what better way to kick off the new year than to be on your show and to talk about a little bit about our history and how Speed Source came to be and really some of the cool things going on now and in the future for us. Well, I'm honored to have you here, and that is so fantastic because the racing world and racing careers, boy, you couldn't have picked a tougher one except maybe if you wanted to be a rock star or a movie star. And uh, in some ways, uh, you guys are rock stars to be out there on the track and doing what you're doing, especially from my perspective, loving racing and following racing. And we had one of your coworkers, Jeff Braun, on the show here just a few days ago, and he shared a lot of what you guys are up to and, and your successes. It's so spectacular. So it really is all my honor to have you here as part of the New Year's show. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with my guests with a success quote. And this is some kind of a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So being a race car driver, Sylvain, take the wheel. Really, you know, for us, uh, you know, the the entire company, the entire endeavor, even before there was a speed source, I used to say, and I still do to this day, that, you know, we earn the trophies at the shop. We just pick them up at the racetrack. So all of the prep, all the preparation, all of the hard work, really, the race is won in the shop. We just pick up the trophies at the track. So, uh, you know, through 20-plus years, almost 30 years in motorsports now, I've kind of kept that attitude and that saying, and it really is a foundation of our business. And not only, uh, you know, the motorsports side of it, but also on our hospitality side and what we do for, for Mazda, away from the racetrack. So it's been it's been really a founding quote for Speed Source and has uh, served us extremely well for the time that I've been using it, then I don't see any reason to change it going forward. Well, it makes a world of sense. You hear that many times when you follow racing. I like to follow F1, and you always hear the driver thanking the team, and even many times the factory, people that never get to the track, but all those those people that are an integral part of the, of the success. It's not just all about the guy in the driver's seat and Boy, do you know that better than anybody. Are there some other ways in in which you incorporate that into your business, that concept? You talk about the different aspects of running a racing team, but there's some other other little tidbits you can share with us there? Well, operationally for us, you know, every endeavor that we take on, whether it's a racing event or, you know, uh, manufacturing components for Mazda Speed or designing new prototype pieces for, uh, you know, the diesel development, we really have the same approach. It's a continual development. We try to always bring a better race car to the next race, whether it's a little bit lighter, easier to adjust, or, you know, look at procedures and people and try to make every aspect better. So if you give better tools to the people, they can perform at a higher level. They can perform at a higher level. The team performs at a higher level. You get a better output, whether it's on the racetrack or on the business side of it. So it's a continuous improvement. We never really settle or are satisfied. Uh, which is, I guess, is a personality trait. I'm not going to call it a personality flaw of mine. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, personality trait that, uh, you know, the, the continuous search to be better, no matter what the process or the procedure or even how minute the task is, from loading the truck to uh, how we do, uh, you know, shipping and receiving here at SpeedSource. Uh, every single system is always continuous looked at to, to try to make it better. Well, especially when you have competition, because you know the competition is doing all these things, and you've got to just keep going, keep going. It is never-ending. The rung is always being moved up in the racing world. It's a challenge, but you guys are doing an awesome job. As we continue here, could you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? I'd, I'd love to hear that pivotal moment in your life, as you remember it, when you really knew that Sylvain was a car guy. 
you know, th- there's so many of them, but I mean, one that really that sticks out in my mind and really has a link to Mazda is quite interesting. So living in, in Lighthouse Point, Florida, which is a suburb of uh, Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. I think I was a little 12 years old, riding my bike up and down the streets to go see one of my friends, and I see a race car in the distance on a boat trailer, and it's kind of slow down, and it's a Mazda RX-3. And across the street is a Mazda RX-7. It's not going to see what, what these guys are doing. It was a champion spark plug challenge car. And across the street was George Martin, who uh, has left us. George Martin uh, was one of the inventors of the outboard engine and oh, sold okay, his yeah. patent and his business to uh, OMC. George uh, had an RX-7 that he had turbocharged. Uh, so this is back in 1970-something. So you know, right when the RX-7 had come out, he had one and had turbocharged it already. He was taking the engines apart. Then, you know, across the street from Cameron Worth, who had a um, an RX-3 that ran in Champion Spark Plug Challenge. So uh, see if I could help these guys and, you know, help them. Went to the racetrack, uh, started hanging out after school. And, uh, you know, those guys taught me a whole bunch, you know, about the engines, about motorsports, and really, you know, about working on race cars at, at you know, the young age, uh, you know, before I was 13 years old, working yeah. on race cars. Uh, so I was always love cars. But you know, that's not really a career. You know, my family business was construction. My father was in the construction, so that's you mm-hmm. know what your path was going to be, and uh, that was not the path that I wanted. I always wanted to be you know in racing, uh, be a race car driver, work on cars, do something of the sort that was not the family business. <laughs> sure. So, I uh, really you know that that moment, or you know having those guys which really were enthusiasts, letting a kid kind of help. I'm sure that I probably hurt more than I helped at the beginning, <laughs> but you know them to have the patience to to tolerate me and then to to, to help me get along, to uh, learn and then become a part of the team. Really, you know, taught me a whole bunch. And uh, you know, even to this day, whenever there's young people that are interested in motorsports, I try to do everything I can to try to give them the opportunity, whether it's working here or to give them a hand at the racetrack, because that's how it starts. I mean, you know, it, it is a passion that, uh, you know, somebody becomes a gearhead or a, a car nut, whatever the the end title is, and we all have a, a, a shared passion of cars, of automobiles. And with that passion, you know, comes great drive, because if there's something that you love, uh, you know, like the the old saying, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And right. I, I, I kind of agree, agree and di- disagree with that. It is a lot of work, no matter what you do. And uh, but it is something that I love, and to this day, I mean, I, I still play with cars. I play with race cars, and it's something that I love. And you know, even when I uh, do stop driving them for a living, uh, I'll still drive them and then enjoy and enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, I've heard that from so many guests that there's a pivotal moment when somebody, an adult in their life, takes them for a ride in a car or lets them help work on a car, just what happened with you, and that sets a whole course for their life. So it is so important, and we've had some Mazdas in our family. My mom had an RX-7 when they first came out. My dad's had a Miata, so they're awesome cars. I remember when I was younger when those RX-7s came out, I go, please, Mom, let me drive your car, please. (laughs) Well, they were unique. Yes. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So, Sylvain, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood here, get our hands a little dirty, something you're very used to working on cars all the time, and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced in your career. But the most important part of this is how did you overcome that situation and what did you learn from it? I get asked a similar question, you know, from younger people that say, hey, you know, how do you get into the industry or how do you become a professional race car or how do you become a team owner? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the same advice is, is what I give to everybody is learn to never 
except no. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the issue is, you know, you'll probably get turned down a hundred times. Everybody will say, you're crazy, you can't do this, and you can't do that. Then I've heard more I can't than sure you can. And you know, that that's no matter what aspect or what stage of my career, from when I wanted to do autocrossing and, you know, went to the first autocross. And the lady said, hey, if you pay your 15 bucks, you can enter the race. And I said, sure, I'll enter the race. I didn't take no for an answer. And went off and ended up going home with the trophy. So that kind of really set my path. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then the turn from autocrossing to go road racing, it is a huge step to do that. So I bought a, um, an old Fiat X19 from Randy Popes, out of all people. Yes, I just, just talked with Randy yesterday here on Cars, yeah. Randy, one of my heroes, uh, still kicking it, uh, super great guy. I mean, just he's, he's given so much to uh, young people in the sport and then you know, sold me a Fiat X19. Uh, both of us were laughing that day. I was laughing that I had bought a new car, and he was laughing that he had sold me his crap X19, I think. And then turned that into a road race car and then went to SCCA driving school. And, of course, it blew up and didn't get to pass my license, and it took you know another couple of years to do that. So all of those challenges you know, are just never-ending, but I didn't quit. So even though I didn't have the money, didn't have the, the, the talent or the skill then, to you know, fix the car, I learned and you know made contacts and begged and borrowed parts. And you know you can't do it alone. But you know, I think the one thing is that you're going to be told no dozens, if not hundreds, of times. But you pick yourself back up and then you continue. If this is what you want to do, as long as you're breathing alive and kicking, you just keep doing it. And uh, you know that's been my journey. So from you know stepping up to club racing to now, I want to have a prep business. And you know how do you make a business out of selling cars? And I, I figured I'd just make cars for myself, and I'd let people hand me their money for my car. So I had a certain standard. Yeah. So I, my, my cars really stood out from everybody else. Not that I was any smarter than anybody. I just had an, an eye for detail and really was willing to, to do things that only I would see that the customer would never see. But the entire package, the detail of it, how well the cars were put together, is really what people gravitated to. And then we were able to you know, sell over 150 race cars in 20 years wow. uh, in a variety of classes. And then you know, to go from that level to go to pro racing. And then how do you go pro racing? Well, you need lots of money. You need a sponsor. You need this. You need that. And you know, hooked up with uh, uh, a gentleman in Tennessee who wanted to go pro racing, ended up driving with him, uh, get enough funding, bought a car, made the car, uh, got some backdoor help from Mazda in 1995, and went out and ran in the Speed Vision Cup. And you know, that was great till basically 98. 98 Mazda had no more product for us, so they said, hey, we, we can't even give you backdoor help. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my pro racing career could have ended, but I didn't. I went back to club racing, won a whole bunch of championships, attracted another customer that wanted to go pro racing, put the, uh, together a program for 2001 with a Porsche 911 and won, I think, eight out of ten races and won the championship that very first year. Wow. Mazda was coming with an RX-8, and I had you know lots of uh, relationships with Mazda, yeah. and we were given the opportunity to bid on building these uh, sports touring car, which was really the street stock RX-8, oh, yeah. and put a lot of effort into that particular program, and we won the championship the first year out with that particular car, oh won gosh. it the second year out also. And then, so you ask, what's next? So what's next for us is I wanted to go GT racing, try to win uh, some races at this little place called Daytona International Speedway. <laughs> and so we put a program together, and Mazda helped uh, you know, fund that for us, got the factory contract to not only 
to go race the cars, but to design, develop, build, and sell them. And we ended up making 19 cars. And you know, at one point in 2010 or 11, we were the most successful car in uh, Grand Am road racing uh, as far as number of wins and poles. So you know, another wow. record. And then they said, you know, you can't go prototype racing because you're a GT team. So we uh, ended up racing prototypes with a diesel engine that they said you couldn't do. Um, so, you know, whenever they say they can, it seems that's where I find myself is right <laughs> where people don't want to be or say that can't be done. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because it's kind of been a staple for us to do things that are, you know, eccentric or, you know, like the rotary engine and really have a, have a fond relationship with that, that wonderful power plant and with Mazda. And, uh, you know, through our, my entire career, we, we seem to gravitate to do things that, you know, are not easy that others are not willing to do. And, you know, that's been a key to our success as we take on these particular projects that are definitely difficult, definitely not easy, and have been successful in just about every step. So uh, fortunate to, uh, I guess, to be continually challenged. Yeah, well, definitely tenacity, perseverance is in your workbook, for sure. That's fantastic. And so, Van, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And you shared a lot of it with us here, but I'd love for you to share one in particular, an aha moment in your career, that time when you realized, you know what, I can make a living doing this. This is real. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. It really becomes the attention to detail. I had mentioned, you know, that I, I built cars for myself and then I let people hand me money for, for my cars. And I really didn't hit me or had a ha-ha moment until probably the fifth or sixth car that we had built. And, you know, to me, every version was better than the last one. And I didn't want to just settle. And, you know, as we the business grew, I was able to charge more for the cars. The customers really appreciated some of the details, uh, you know, to at that time to buy a forty or $45,000 ITS car was a chunk of change for, you know, basically a Shroom stock modified car that started out at a $1,500 junk Mazda. Mm -hmm. But the detail is really what separated us from everybody else. So, you know, when I would take, uh, you know, a brake clip that was freshly uh, plated and then put it behind the caliper that you know, I know the customer would never see, but I knew it was there. Right. And really that, that moment is that I, I decided that, I needed to do things for myself and other people would either appreciate and pay me for what I thought was right or they wouldn't get it and wouldn't see the value. Mm -hmm. Well, more and more people saw the value and that's why we built over 60 of those cars and you know, every one of them was better and better. So if I was going to line up car one to car 60, it was unbelievable how much they had grown and really that ha-ha moment for me was to just do it for myself yeah. and to not do it for what I thought was going to be commercially viable, for what I thought was going to be the most profitable. And, you know, all those were lower endpoints in the equation. The goal was to build it for me. If I liked it and it was for me, then people would hand me the appropriate amount of money for my cars. Sure. And, you know, I still have an emotional collection to all of the cars that we've built. Uh, we still service and sell parts to, uh, you know, the fourth or fifth owner of some of the cars that I built in the mid-90s. So it's always cool to, to hear about these cars and how much love and how much joy 
you know, some of these cars, you know, they're still winning races to this day on the fourth or fifth owner wow. across North America. So it's, it's really cool. It's special to me that we were able to do that. And I, and I did it not because an, an accountant told me it could be done or I thought this was the best, uh, the best way to make a living or this is how I was going to build my business. I built cars for me. Yeah. And I figured that if you're just like some of these custom cars that you see, you know, the workmanship and, you know, the detail and why would anybody go to that level? You get it because, you know, this is a vision that you have and you build the product or the race car or the show car to what you think is the very best and either somebody appreciates it or does somebody doesn't appreciate it. The wonderful thing about, you know, the automotive industry or, you know, the enthusiast is that, you know, the people that have been in the game for a while, the people that, you know, that are passionate about it will feel that passion that you have, whether it's a car you built or a car you restore, and will see the value, not only the time, but how much care and love goes in all of these cars. Oh, yeah. And it's really, it's propelled my business forward. And, you know, if, if there's one uh, moment is, you know, by the fourth or fifth car, and they were getting better and better and better, is I could have stopped and said, you know what, I can make more pennies this way. I didn't. I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and you know, pushing the rules boundaries and you know making splitters on ITS cars and digital dashes and stuff that had never been done yeah. because I wanted it and really you know it, it resonated with the community and we're able to you know to build a, a sizable road racing business out of something that was not there. Yeah, it's that age old sharpening of the saw. You just sharpen, 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 get better and better. Yep. How about proudest business moments, career moments? I'm sure you've had so many with different championships and the cars you built for people, but is there one in particular you could share with our listeners that really made you feel proud? Really, for me, it, it um, you know, I think our proudest moment is still to come, but uh, the second one, if, if I could say, was probably the 2008 Rolex 24 win. Mm-hmm. We won the race in GT with a car that we designed, a car that we built with engines that we produced. I mean, this is as much speed source as anything else. And we built that particular program into, you know, the dominant package in 2010. But in 08, it was not. You know, the the you know Germany had emptied himself with all the Porsche aces to go win that Rolex race, like they do all of the time. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to uh, stand there with, uh, you know, David Haskell, myself, Rafael Matos, and uh, Nick Ham. And, you know, to be on top of that podium after winning that race in a car that you helped design, the car that you helped build, and had so much speed source in it in that particular DNA, yeah. uh, what a proud achievement because, you know, we had made the program, we had made the car. It was really our stamp on it against, you know, the best that the world had to throw at us that particular oh, wow. day. Gosh. So it was, it was a cool feeling. I mean, I have a picture in my office that somebody took from the top of the victory lane that overlooks, and you can see the confetti on the race car, and you can see the drivers, and it really, you know, to soak in that moment, yep. uh, you know, um, uh, you know, it's it's still amazing that I have the opportunity to even compete and to be lucky and fortunate enough to be surrounded with talented people to help me win that race, not once but twice. Yeah. Uh, just to, um, I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> well, a lot of hard work behind that luck. For sure. How about have a little bit of fun here? What was your first really special car? And maybe you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Oh boy, so this would be my, my, technically my second car. So my, my first car, uh, you know, my father, you know, with this construction background, so you're going to get a nice, safe, big car. So sure. uh, afraid to almost admit it publicly, but, you know, we, we purchased, I purchased with my own money, a 1975 Mercury Marquis. Oh, wow. A giant 
road yes. of a thing. Oh, yes. And it was a little bit beat up, bought it from a guy up the street from us, and I spent, you know, my, my 15th summer. I had just turned 15 in August, so from 15 to 16, I bought this car when I just turned 15. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, cleaned it up and, you know, put a new battery in it, did a tune-up and, you know, polished it and did everything I could and sold it at a profit. You know, this is the car my dad wanted to get, but I yeah. didn't want to get that car. I wanted to get a different car. Of course. And then we, the next car is, you know, at the time in 1981, I bought a Dodge Charger 2.2, which was a front-wheel drive car. In 81, with all the emissions regulations, this was the quickest 0-60 car you could buy out of Detroit, believe uh-huh. it or not. Yeah. I was a front-wheel drive, little sports car, faster than a GTI, faster than a Mustang, faster than a Camaro. Nice. I loved this car. I mean, I would wash it before I went to school. I would wash it after I came home from school. I'd wash <laughs> the engine compartment yeah. with, uh, with uh, a toothbrush. I probably changed spark plugs on it every week. You know, I probably wore out the head putting the plugs in and out of it, you know. Yeah. This was my car and loved every single part of it and waxed the inside of the door jams and really, you know, got my passion for details and, and, and you know, how much you love a particular car. Oh, yeah. So uh, it, was, it was a great history, and, uh, you know, that's the car that I wanted, uh, the car that I bought, and, you know, the car that I was making payments on. That was my car. Yeah. And as a young man that was 16, it was really it was my freedom, uh, you know, the way that you could do your own things and be on your own schedule. Yeah. So it was, it's always going to be a special car for me, and I'm sure that everybody has different stories what their first car is. Well, me, it's my second car technically, but the first car that I truly loved. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and you worked hard for it, too, so that's fantastic. How about current projects? Is there something you guys are working on right now that really has you excited and fired up for the new year? You know, looking ahead on, obviously, the 2015 season with our Mazda prototypes, but we're in early stages of really what what's going to happen in 17. So there's a new car coming out for MSN and for ACO in 2017, and I've been involved with all the early rules and some of the uh, you know the the planning that goes into what the next step is. And it's really interesting to see what's coming down technology wise, sanctioning body wise, and looking at the politics, uh, you know, the finances of it, and how the car will be made. So we're just really excited for that. You know, yeah. I'm always a forward looking guy. Mm-hmm. So you know what I'm doing now is great but the next thing's even cooler yep. so uh, i guess that's kind of my personality is really being part of that with mazda on the planning stages and really working with our colleagues in hiroshima and in irvine uh, california about really what mazda's next race car is going to be is very uh, very rewarding uh, very stressful very hard and all of the things that make it worthwhile now here's a funny question for you sylvain if you were a car what kind of car would you be and why? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, so I'd have to be some type of Mazda. That's just, you know, because I, I bleed Mazda. So yeah. I don't have much of a choice okay. there. Okay, okay. Um, probably, you know, I'm, I'm finicky. I'm kind of high strung. So most likely a third gen RX-7. Uh, you know, they they, uh, they handled well, they were fast, uh, they were finicky, so they're kind of like me. Uh, so I think that, that that's as close to it as I, as I can get, I guess, if I was going to be a car. Yeah, great answer. I love it. I love asking that question. It kind of brings out how people really feel about who they are, and I love it when they answer honestly instead of saying, oh, I'm an F1 car. You know? <laughs> Fantastic. So, Sylvain, next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little something for the Cars Yeah listeners. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. 
Simply go to carsyad.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah. Okay, we're back in Sylvain. We're entering the last lap. And you're a racer. You know what that means. The white flag is out. It's time to put the pedal down. And this is where I fire off a series of questions. And you're going to give me some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I am. Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't quit. Ah, yes. from, from, From multiple people, just don't quit. Don't quit. Never give up. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Never settle, I guess. I'm never satisfied with anything that I do. I always want to do it better. So I don't know if it's a positive personal habit, but it's what I do all I of the time. I think it's worked really well for you. So that's definitely a good <laughs> personal habit to have. Is there a resource that you could share with the Cars Yow listeners that you're really fond of? Perhaps it's a website that you go to quite often, or maybe it's a blog that you receive? Really, just, you know, there's so many online sources yep. for what's there. there. There's, you know, a lot of good websites. The biggest thing is, you know, either Google Images that I, I used all the time, you know, look for something specific. I look for different versions of it mm-hmm. and to really see what's out there. I, you know, somebody asked me, you know, why, why would you be interested in a swamp buggy? Uh, you know, those guys make the coolest brackets, you know, so you know, there's no... No stamp. There's. No, I don't follow specifically F1 yeah. or any specific. I'm a motorsports fan, so no matter what types of motorsports, from the Dakar run to F1 to swamp buggies, I like it all. So I try to to stay on just about everything. Sure. How about books? Is there one in particular that you'd love to share with the Cars Yow listeners that maybe you just finished reading or you read in the past? I just fe- finished reading uh, Jay Gross's book called The Beast. What a fantastic. Mm. Yes. Uh, book about uh, you know the infamous Elmore engine. Yeah. Uh, so uh, great book, uh, great writer, uh, highly recommended. Uh, you know my my 12-year-old son tore through the book and now he's telling me stories about what happened <laughs> when they would build that engine. So yes. uh, definitely it's a great book. Fantastic. It is a great book. I've had several people recommend that book and I got it because of that. It, it's just amazing. Amazing. So I'll remind our listeners here at Cars Yeah that you can find all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Sylvain Tremblay. And his last name is spelled T-R-E-M-B-L-A-Y. All right, Sylvain, we're at the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car, and it could be a race car if you want, in your case, in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that car be and why? I kind of stare at it every day. I have a little miniature copy of a Gullwing Mercedes. I really Ooh. have always liked those cars. I've liked you know, how advanced they were at the time, yeah. uh, how unique they were. So um, if money's no object, you know, I'm getting a nice <laughs> Gullwing Mercedes. I like the lines of the car, how classically well put together it is. Uh, and it's a beautiful car. You know, I have a little model of Michael Schumacher's Ferrari right next to it, but uh-huh. the gold one always seems, you know, like I could drive that car. You know, the F1 car can't really just drive it right. to, uh, on a nice Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I've been lucky enough to be able to drive one of those, and what was amazing to me, it drove like a modern car for yep. for an old. You get in a lot of vintage cars, and you're kind of disappointed. You know, it's like, oh, I thought it would be more, but that car. Ah, great choice. They are absolutely beautiful vehicles. I have sat in one. I have lost it over one. I've never <laughs> been fortunate enough to either ride or drive one. So you're ahead of me, bud. Well, I've been lucky enough to be around a lot of pretty cool vintage cars and a lot of people that trust me. So uh, it was a, a great drive. So when you get your chance, and I know you will someday, 
And I sure hope you have one in your garage someday. That would be even better. But when you get a chance to drive one, I think you'll be really impressed. I'll definitely take you up on it. Yes, great choice. Great choice. Sylvain, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey and all the information you've shared about your business. Could you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset and that 300 SL going? I think, you know, the same thing that's formed my life with, with automotive resources and just, you know, to not give up. There's always somebody that's going to help you mm-hmm. and, and just don't take no for an answer. And, uh, you know, if this is a passion that you have, uh, I have met the nicest people through the, the sport, the hobby, you know, the, the careers that I've had all have some type of link to cars. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's really it's shaped my life. And uh, I can't be thankful enough for uh, having been given the opportunity to uh, dabble in, in racing and in motorsports and with cars. Well, a lot of hard work has gone into that, too, I know. How about, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and about your company? We have a couple uh, of uh, websites that you can find us. So we have, obviously, speedsource.com, speedsource, one word, dot com. Uh, we have a Facebook page, which is uh, Facebook-speedsource. And, we, of course, we have our Twitter, which is uh, speedsource at Twitter, that they can keep up with us. And I have my own personal Twitter that I do some of my own stuff uh, with the race. My boys are not racing now. So which is ST70 at Twitter. So pretty simple. I was one of the early adopters of Twitter. (laughs) So I have a very short Twitter handle. Listeners, you can find links to everything we've talked about here at carsyeah.com. Just type Sylvain into the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. Thank you, Sylvain, for being so generous with your time today and your expertise and for sharing your experience with our listeners. Happy New Year to you and the Cars Yeah listeners. Great success for 2015. And until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. Great show. Really enjoy it. And just the resources and all of uh, the fans out there. Just uh, happy 2015. It's our 20th anniversary. So Absolutely. Uh, good to see you at the racetrack. The champagne is spraying. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!